Hello, and welcome to Captive Audience. Uh, my name is Kelly, um, and today we're talking about the Arden Snow Queen, um, which is their children's show that they do in the Otto Haas Theater. They're in the Round Theater. I'm going to talk about my experience in theater because I always forget to do this on like every other podcast. Uh, my experience with theater is that I used to do it a lot in high school. I did it in middle school. Didn't continue with it. Went to architecture college. Came out of architecture college wanting to do set design. Did set design. Um, and that is what I'm currently doing is I'm working as a freelance set designer and also podcaster. But I also, um, throughout my entire life, have loved Broadway and have continuously been seeing Broadway shows for at least once a year on my birthday, if I could make that happen. Uh, I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves. Ross, would you like to go first? Sure. Hi, my name is Ross Silverman. Uh, I went to college with Kelly for architecture. I have, I, I think I've seen a good amount of theater as a child. And, you know, it's been quite some time, but Kelly has recently been dragging me to quite a few uh, theater performances, and I've really enjoyed them all. They've all been very different and very unique experiences. We'll, we'll get into more depth in, in a little bit. Sarah, would you like to introduce You're yourself? You're so verbatim, the last one. We just recorded one, like, a second ago, and we're moving on to our next one. But this one's being released first, I think. It is, yeah. So we're so we're all saying the same yep. introductions. So but you were hearing it at two on two different weeks, possibly a month apart. We'll see how far I can stretch this. Well, I'm Sarah. I also went to school with Kelly. I went as an interior designer, and we're recording this at past midnight. I should point that out because <laughs> if we yeah. don't make any sense, we're loopy. And what's your experience with theater? Um, I listen to and am a big fan of lots of Broadway musicals. I do not have any technical experience, but I enjoy them as a form of art. <laughs> um, so let's first give our let's give our first our first reaction to the show. We have we just finished seeing Snow Queen at like nine o'clock, and we're recording this now. Um, like three hours later. So I want to hear what everybody's initial thoughts were on it. I would say, I mean, I'm going to say go see it. And we're going to go into spoiler alert territory pretty soon after we give you our recommendations. So just keep that in mind. But what were what were your first impressions of the show? Ross? I would also say go see it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was definitely, it was a children's performance. And I think you, you have to, you know, kind of, know that going in take it with a grain of salt but i think um it was very well done and it was it was very uh, entertaining yeah it was definitely really cute especially if you have kids and if you're gonna go see it if you get a chance to see it in philadelphia i feel like it being in the round was it really worked for this play so to start off with the story the story is uh pretty straightforward it's about this a girl named Gerda, who uh, her friend Kai is um, gets a shard of glass. glass stuck in his eye from the Snow Queen's mirror, which breaks in the beginning of the show. And basically, the Snow Queen kidnaps Kai, and Gerda has to and Gerda has to go on this entire journey to try and find him. Um, and she travels through every season. There are five season changes in this show. Um, and 
she basically meets all of the queens of of the seasons and she gets to experience and and talk through what she's going through and it's a really interesting adaptation of the hans christian anderson tale of the snow queen frozen is also based on this tale but frozen was not followed as closely i would say with this tale it definitely wasn't and only because you mentioned that could i see it but when they originally made frozen elsa was supposed to be the bad character Mm -hmm. they only changed it because of that song yeah exactly let it go was too good for a for a bad character so they changed her to be what is it called a good a good character yeah a a hero a heroine protagonist is the word Mm -hmm. i was actually looking for yeah Yeah, they changed her to protagonist but if you think of her as the bad character which she was supposed to be you can see it which is absolutely what they do in this story she is the villain in this story yeah yeah Um, very good thank you ross (laughs) I think that it's reflected more in the second Frozen movie. I've not seen Frozen 2, but I hear that there are more elements with the seasons tied in to Frozen 2, which is really where you see the connections mm-hmm. of the two story of the two fairy tales. Um, did anyone particularly stand out to you guys? I know that Sarah was talking a little bit about Jenna, um, who mainly plays the, the season that she is in charge of. The cast is very small. So everybody plays like three people. roles. It's eight people. So every, all of the women in the show play a queen at one point. So um, Jenna plays the fall queen, but she also plays the friend of the summer queen. Um, the character's name is Lil, and she plays a flower in spring. Um, but what, what about her yeah, character drew you to of, her? Most of their characters are, even though they're different characters, they're the same personality in each character, basically. And her character, in the beginning, when she was a student, Mm -hmm. and they're playing in the snow, her hat kept falling over her eyes, and I couldn't tell if it was purposeful or not, or if she was playing it really well, or somehow they got that hat to constantly fall over her eyes. I I didn't know whether it was wrong or right, and I really appreciated the way that she played off of it. Yeah, I I picked up on that as well. I thought it was intentional. I felt like it really played into the character. Um, as a student, at least, she was um, very, like, it seemed like not confident, you know, the, the hat kept falling into it, and she had to keep adjusting, kind of making up for it. And I, I thought it was something that she was doing to play into the character, and I thought she did it very well. Yeah, I, w- I would say that she is one of the character. she plays some of the characters that draw me in the most. I think she really... I think they all really shine in the spring scene. I think that she's really funny in the spring scene. Um, and I, as Lil, she's like really like diabolical because that scene in the summer where she has to go, I don't know if you guys realized it, where she has to go from best friend to dejected best friend to let's pull a little revenge prank on Frederica, like with it, which is all in the span of like five minutes. She has to like pull this all together. She does it very well. Yeah, um, that's like one of my favorite scenes is summer. Is summer was your favorite? Yeah. That was that was gonna be a question later, but I'm glad that we're. Oh, sorry. What, what? That's okay. We'll bring it back. Um, up. we will. We'll bring it back. Um, but I I personally really liked um, Eunice who played Gerda because I think that she has to be in it the entire time. There's really never a time where she's not talking. Um, and she's such she's so high energy all of the time, um, and I think that 
I would say, like, one of my favorite scenes with her, but they're really, like, they're all my favorite scenes because she's so good in them. I had to pick one. I would say, I think my favorite scene is probably in spring when there is, ironically, there are no words, and she's just running around, and everybody's trying to fence her in. And she, it's the first season that she comes across that is, like, kind of, like, you know, a little bit otherworldly, and I think that she, like, captures without words just how lost she is. And it's funny, but it's also you, like, feel for her. It's just a really good combination. I don't know why that I love it so much, but it's one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Um, and it always gets a good laugh, which yeah, is great. Yeah, I think you relate to her a lot because in that scene, because you don't – I didn't know that it was going to go through all the seasons, so I didn't really realize it was spring yet. Not until it switched to the next season did I realize we were going to go through all the seasons. Yeah. So she seemed lost, but I also didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I didn't I didn't give um Ross or Sarah any context to this show. I whenever I take friends to go see shows, um I usually tell them like don't look anything up. Don't no context. But Ross, who did you like? Uh Joe had a lot of interesting characters as well, and I think Joe played a, a variety of characters well. You know, each season, well, some of them, I guess, were pretty constant, but They're all I think very as, confident. The, That's what as I'm the saying. student, They're all the same. He, Joe played a very different uh, energy as a student than as, like, a prince. So to Ross's point about Joe being able to play a ton of really cool roles, I will, I will agree and say that some of the, some of the roles are... I think that Joe played the the flower Narcissus and then also played the prince, and they're both very vain characters, I would say. And then I think that the the thief was very, like, aggressive and kind of, because Joe came in with the bear face yeah. on. And I think that that's, like, a really interesting, um, a really interesting subtlety that Joe was able to pull off that I think is a really hard thing to do when you play three to four different characters four different characters five including the trolls but i i really admire that part of the of acting that all of them almost all of them had to do yeah we're playing these different really strong i think that i also think that that joe got a lot of laughs especially with narcissus yeah i think joe i think narcissus was one of the was one of the roles that got the most laughs. I think spring is usually the one that gets spring and summer are the ones that get the most laughs. I feel like when I when I sit and I like listen to the seasons and the differences. Yeah, I, I really liked spring. I think that was maybe my favorite season. And I, I think especially being a kids uh, story, the the costumes in spring were so like whimsical and they all just played into them so well and became flowers, you know. Mm-hmm. That I think that plays into why it was it got so many laughs. You know, I think that really attracts the kids' attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, another cast member that we really enjoyed was Alex, Alex. Bechtel, who played Snowdrop and um, the Reindeer Bay, and actually like was a really good chance to show off all of his like different sides because Alex played the really strict dad yeah and then also played a helpful reindeer and also played a sleepy flower which was also meant to get like a ton of laughs but also alex played alex was one of two cast members who played instruments 
while they were standing and all of that was like live which was crazy yeah um the other person who played instruments was mary fishburn yeah um she was mainly on the violin alex was mainly on the accordion and sometimes the ukulele sometimes he is if you don't know if you haven't heard me mention alex bechtel which is impossible because ev- i know everybody has listened to the treasure island podcast <laughs> he composed and wrote he did not compose but he wrote the music maybe he did for treasure island but he's a songwriter so he's that's why he can play so many instruments is because he's so good at doing all of those things. I it's such a natural skill being able to play so many instruments. I like truly don't don't know, but Ross and Sarah were actually the ones who sat like right who were right next to him almost every time. I didn't know that, but Alex's entrance was right next to where we were almost every single time he entered with an instrument was right next to us. What did you guys think yeah, of either the, him playing? An instrument always came next to us. The mm-hmm. the accordion or the violin. Mm-hmm. They would switch yeah. sides. Yeah. I'm sure backstage that's where they were. But yeah. what did what did you guys think of well, his I, I believe versatility? Actually, Daniel also played some instruments. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I, that was something that I actually noticed that there's a lot of musical talent on the cast. Yeah. 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 A, yeah. I times... noticed that as well because a lot of times they fake playing instruments and then someone in yeah. the pit will just play it. Yeah. And they'll just kind of you know fiddle it on the roof. Doesn't ever play a fiddle. He just kind of sits <laughs> on the roof and pretends to play a fiddle, and someone in the pit plays. Yeah. But yeah. they all played their own yeah. instruments, which yeah. leaves a lot of room for mistake when you have to be moving and mm-hmm. doing lines. Yeah. Uh, Daniel plays Kai, and um, Daniel plays guitar towards the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Catherine Freed, who plays the Snow Queen, is a very talented singer mm-hmm. who played, um, I believe the role is called The Girl, in the, <laughs> in the musical Once. Um, they don't have names in Once. They just have, like, the girl and the boy. She plays the girl. Um, and she's like, she was a main in that. And her voice is like absolutely like outstanding. Well, there's not that. It's just, well, this is considered a musical, right? This is, it's sort of a musical. The, there's not that much somebody singing wrote, in it, but yeah. most of the singing yeah. is, is by Catherine. Someone wrote the music for it, I believe, because it in the script is just poems. They're just like poems. Okay. Yeah, Mary has some singing, and there's some group singing, which doesn't have too much melody to it, but mm-hmm. Catherine has a lot of, if not singing, like humming or whistling yeah. involved. Yeah. My, favorite, my favorite song is the one that they enter in for summer, where it's with the ukulele, and it's just like, like Summer on was ooze. a very fun entrance. They released balls from the ceiling, oh, beach yeah. balls. Yeah, yeah. Something that something we'll talk about later, which is um, the transitions, which are like my favorite, but also like fully spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I think that they're best experienced cold. Um, I haven't. My family is gonna go see it tomorrow. I've not told my family anything about this show because that is I want them to experience it like you two did. Um, so did you? Let's talk about the, the crazy dance off in the fall <gasps> season. That's my favorite with, part. She with Kala, Kala, who was the grandmother, and um, also Miss Deer. No, she was the spring. She was the spring queen with flowers in her oh, hat. At that time, she was the fall queen, and then she oh lost. yeah, and then she got dethroned. She yeah, mm-hmm. and she had to she had to verse Eunice, who was playing Gerda, and that was like a whole scene, and everybody was clapping. What did you What did you guys 
What did you think about that? I thought it was fantastic. Yeah? It was so weird, but for a kid show, it was such, I mean, not that I'm a kid, but I was really excited about it. I imagine all the kids were really excited about it. It didn't need to be there. There's no reason a dance-off is how she needed to be dethroned. But it was such a It was comic... like the least violent way I feel like they could have done that. It was such a comic yeah. relief. Like, weird, very, like, hip kind of... Yeah. All those dance moves yeah. from, like, video games. Like, yeah. the kids loved it. Yeah, I will say, and this is this is a problem not that I have, like, at all with the art and theater. This is, like, a problem that they definitely had to navigate through the script and they were probably not allowed to change. Um... But the whole point of the fall season is that they're cannibals, which is uh, that was that diffi- was it's a difficult tone to navigate because you're talking about cannibals, but then they're having a dance-off. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And it's the, the concept true. of she cannibals. She eaten if she lost. Yeah the, con- yeah, the concept of cannibals is like hard, and I think that's why the tone was a little bit different in the fall season especially coming into it she was like i'm gonna eat you and you're like oh okay and then they're like we're gonna have a dance off and it's a get the tone gets much like lighter when you talk about having a dance off yeah and i think that's why people like the dance off so much is because it offset the tone so much which is what i really appreciate about how the arden did that scene and how they balanced it because it's certainly not an easy thing to navigate in the script is making people cannibals yeah and having... especially there were a lot of small children yeah 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 did we want to did we want to talk about did we want to talk about the kids a little bit and how they interacted with the story i know that you had some yeah some but kids mine's, mine's related to the inappropriateness though oh okay do you want to you want to explain a little bit of the context around it before you make a for you comment on it the context around the inappropriateness yeah so it was just the snow so <laughs> so the context around it is that the snow queen um in in most of the scenes for the rest of the show after the snow queen kidnaps kai in the beginning kai and the snow queen have a lot of interactions where she's telling him to do the mirror and he's saying i'm hungry or he's saying i'm cold and what she does is she like blows air <laughs> into his mouth. There's no other. There's no better way to say that. That is exactly what happens. But, but they it's very call close. It kissing. They do. They call it kissing. And in the script, there's a lot of it, and they definitely tone that down a little bit for the actual show. But I think that I mean, I there's like fully like no. I can't explain that. Right. I cannot explain what was going through Hans Christian Andersen's mind when he made a basically infinitely aged snow queen kiss a 15 year old one of them well, you is assume on the mouth. He's younger than that one of them is on the mouth he's i think he's 15 because i was directed yeah but just 15. the way they behave and the way they like they're playing that's true you assume that they're yeah, they might yeah they'd be younger even younger 15 uh, but like i literally cannot i cannot explain to you you know that's a thing you have to take up with hans christian anderson and charles way who adapted it of why they kept so many kisses between Kai and the Snow Queen that the poor art and theater had to navigate itself around. Cannot tell you why, but it's not, like, I feel like inappropriate is very harsh. It's not inappropriate. It's just, like, uncomfortable. Well, no, like, like. the kissing's not that inappropriate. It was, 
I feel like if they had actually kissed, it would have like that would have been, been kind of worse. Almost. No, I think I it would have been, been worse than her just blowing in his mouth. <laughs> I thought that was weird. I think, I think if she if ki- they were kissing, it wouldn't have been that weird. I think if she. I think People if she kissed, kissed him on the I think if she kissed him on the forehead and we left it at that. Yeah, I think yeah. that would have been fine. Um, that yeah. might have been better. Although I will say The um, drugging thing is what I really think was <laughs> I was also uncomfortable the first time she kissed him, she like the I think her actual line was now get back to work before I kiss, kiss you, you to, to death. death. Yeah. Which is like an expression, but I think in the context it, it felt like more than an expression. So the point that I will make to that is one of the things that I did not realize, and this is about kids, is that kids hate kissing. And I don't remember that when I was young. I remember like fully romanticizing that sound of music. Anybody? Do you know what? There was a one real kiss in the play. And do you remember the reaction? There were two real kisses. Oh, I only remember one. one. It's okay. There was one at the end and then there was one with the prince. Oh, okay. I forgot about the prince. Mm-hmm. Um, the one at the end yeah. is my favorite part of the play yeah. because the kids' reactions, they were all like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> but, but a lot of them were like, just like, ew. Like, a lot of them like, don't like kissing, which is okay. interesting to me. And that's one of the reasons they all... that they probably didn't have the kiss between the Snow Queen and Kai I don't know. is because of the reaction to kissing that kids have. Because you don't want, like, in a play, if she has to kiss him three times, like, like kids going, yeah. ew, every time. Like, that, there's so much as kids, like, interacting a little too much, and yeah. that's kind of where that comes in. I remember talking to Joe, who plays the prince, which is one of the kisses in the summer. I remember talking to Joe about it, because they've never done, fun fact, they've never done a kids' show theater that was in the round before. It's always at the Arcadia Theater or the Hamilton Theater, which are two smaller theaters. Um, but they've never done it in the round. They have never done it in the round before. They have done it in the auto house. They have not done it in the round. And one of the things I remember telling Joe when I, as soon as I read that kiss, I was like, do you understand you're going to be experiencing like from like around, like all around 360 like kids just going ooh, and then I realized when I sat in there because I saw the first preview because I worked on the show, um, sitting in a literal room of just school children and maybe ten teachers, um, was that that was not the reaction. Every kid in a three sixty radius went ew, <laughs> like they hated it, like they hated it, like they booed, <laughs> like for, it for was so bad. Kiss, it was an overwhelmingly good reaction. <laughs> And the reason I loved it so much is I turned because everyone had such a strong reaction and one of the little girls behind us grabbed the little boy next to him and kissed him. And it was so cute. What? And oh my God. It was such a strong reaction. And then she turned and did the same thing to her mother. And I just thought it was so <laughs> innocent and cute that she just, because that's how that's it so happens in the show is that the person grabs the other person and kisses them. Yeah. And... I thought it was so cute that she felt the need to do the same thing. <laughs> that's uh, a reaction that I've literally... That's that's super interesting. That's so cool. I mean, for the prince, no one was that excited about that. But There for... was a lot of people who... I When I went in the previews, there were a lot of kids who hated it. There were, I'm going to tell you right now, all the school kids like hated it. Yeah, but for um, Kai and Greta... Or Gerda... People were rooting for that couple the entire oh, yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, which, so, I, which I'm glad about because sometimes I feel like there may have not been enough of that that was established because Kai is not in 
as much of it in the beginning. Yeah. But I guess it was established very well because I think that everybody had an investment in them, which was really cute. And that's so cute. The reaction with the kid and her friend. Yeah, and she mom. was with a couple kids. I don't know. That was that's nice. I don't know what kind of. That's group really nice. With. Going into this, I usually have bad reactions with kids in theaters, but if I go into a show knowing that there are going to be kids there, I am a lot more willing to put up with some of their antics. Um, I remember one of my favorite parts about the preview is we were talking about we were just talking about the bouncing balls, so the kids. It before they you can kind of see people dropping balls from the catwalk mm-hmm. onto the hour uh, not the hourglass onto the mirror but when I first saw in the previews they didn't have any masking up there so there's black masking that's on the railings that they right. had to hang because the first time that they ever did it it was during intermission they have to the the state the not the stage the assistant stage managers have to go up there and physically walk the catwalk um, to drop these balls down there and kids saw them and then kids looked up and they saw the beach balls and they started cheering before the second act even started um so that's like the reason that that they're like there's black masking there but that honestly i mean it was like what a a, there you have not seen such a reaction to those uh beach balls being tossed down to the ground level until you're there with a bunch of school children ages 8 to 13 or 14 like watching like 15 beach balls like being thrown off of a catwalk it was that's one of my favorite things in the entire show so what did you think ross of the kids well speaking of the beach balls i thought it was really funny after the beach balls all fell and you know past that scene they were just kind of lingering on the edge of the set I saw a lot of kids, like, run down from their seats to grab beach balls. Yeah. And I just thought that was super cute, you know? Yeah. They were just interacting with the props like that. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you, you don't see in, a, in a, a straight theater. It's You know, you, you don't run up to the stage and grab props. It's, it depends on who you are, but try and zone everyone else out in a straight theater. But in a round theater, you're really forced to look at the other audience yeah, members. Yeah, that's true. Which is something, I feel like we say this a lot, but we're going to talk about later. Um, I really enjoyed the audience interaction that the cast had with the kids. Yeah. Because in the, especially in the, in the spring scene, there's a hide and seek game where they do it about three times. Um, and I actually don't remember them doing it that many times in the preview. Um, but in the version that we saw, which is about a month later, I saw the first, the first ever performance preview of this show, um, when they were not too familiar with with people being in the audience and having to interact with them but it was certainly you know very much lived in this next time i saw it but the hide and go seek is like they go into the audience um there's the kids they ask the kids get the playbills out to hide them yeah there was uh one of the um flowers goes in like i think she like laid on somebody's like fully laid on people's laps Maybe she knew them. Maybe they were family, and maybe that's why you could do that. But I know, I know yeah. And then Joe, who was playing Narcissus, like fully, like, like face planted, like into an aisle, and was just like, like laying down, like stomach first, and like Narcissus's head was like in the in the behind a seat, so you couldn't see it. But it was really funny because a lot of kids were having fun with them. I, there was a row in the in the front where it was like, 
six kids. And yes, they were absolutely maybe getting up a little too much, and they definitely took handfuls of the snow during intermission and threw them around and got themselves covered in snow. But they were a joy to watch. I found myself watching those kids a lot and seeing how they would react because they are right in the middle of the of the action. And they loved it. There was one girl who was like at the edge of her seat the entire show. And like that's what children's theater is. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. And I I really enjoyed that about it. Um it's funny to see what they laugh at as well, the kids. Yeah. A lot of times it's like something they put in clearly just for the kids to laugh at and not really yeah. super in context to the like show. Like the dab. But yeah, like the dab. At the end or, of the at the end of the dance break, uh, Gerda dabs and it's like a weird combination of like super modern dance and also like kind of like a little um, more focused in the time and the music that it is in, but she dabs at the end, and I think every kid screamed. Yeah, um, or the snoring of the snowdrop. Yeah, yeah. I miss you, most you of the miss flowers. That. Names. You missed that. Yeah, and it's supposed to go with his name, but kids don't care what his name was. He just randomly keeps falling asleep, and they thought it was hilarious. Yes. And I was like, why does he keep falling asleep? <laughs> thought he had narcolepsy, and I was like, did I miss the narcolepsy part? Yeah. No, his yeah. name was Snowdrop, and they just decided yeah. drop meant sleep. Yeah, they didn't, they, there was no reason for that. They just, like, they wanted that to be, well, it was in the script, but it was, yeah. Right. But it was, I like that part. Kids, I also just, like, innocently laugh yeah, along they... with that part, too, though, because he does it really well. I think Alex Bechtel pulls that off really well. Um, but do we want to, do we want to, is there anything else story-wise that you guys want to talk about before we kind of get into the set portion and... Well, I think we, uh, we should talk about the boots. Oh, right. Let's talk about the boots. Oh. So another really cool thing. Yeah. A really (laughs) cool thing about this is that also there's a talk back with the cast, um, after there's every show, which is really awesome. I love that kids can ask questions. And one of the questions that the kids asked was... Why do all of the seasons want Gerda's boots? She has red boots and they're a theme throughout it. I love that they're, her boots are a theme. I don't know if it's written into the script that Kai has red gloves, but they match Gerda's boots, and I love that. So well, the that gloves was the are Gerda's as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true, yeah. But the fact that like he wears it and she, it's great. So the kid asked why Gerda, why the seasons are after her boots, and it's important. And the entire time, you know it's important, Mm -hmm. but you don't know why. And that Mm -hmm. little kid picked up on it, Mm -hmm. and the cast didn't have the answer that we were all hoping for. Yeah, none of us knew as well either. I don't think there was ever. I don't think there was a defined answer for it. I think the way that it works is if a director does not give you a. Uh, an answer then the cast kind of has to figure out their own answer right because they're driven by a character and a narrative that they if is not filled in by the director they have to fill themselves yeah so the way that so jenna was the one who answered that question and jenna said um what did jenna say she said you know like without the boots you can't progress through the journey Mm -hmm. so all the seasons are trying to take the boots to stop Gerda from continuing. Yeah, which I don't yeah. think was wrong. I yeah, I think that that was no, yeah, pretty she tri- spot on. Was right. Yeah, I just yeah. think there was something missing. Yeah, but it maybe was, yeah. it's definitely some sort of like theme that we we're missing. Dorothy yeah. with the red shoes, the yeah. green light, and Gatsby. Like it has a meaning. Yeah, and don't know exactly what it was. Yeah, I mean, but it if was... it wasn't there, it would be missing something. Yeah. In spring, it was not defined. Spring it was not defined, fall it was not defined, and then in the summer 
It was just Frederica wanted them because she wanted the boots (laughs) because she thought that they would look great when she got married. And that's why she took them. But in fall, I don't remember the robber girl ever having a reason of why she wanted the boots. And then in spring, they just took them off her while she was unconscious. I think that something I wish was defined more was the fact that I think that the Snow Queen wanted, initially was pressuring the sisters to keep Gerda at bay. And I think that that was something that maybe should, I thought was a running theme because that's what I thought uh, Miss Deer was doing, was Mm -hmm. keeping Gerda at bay under the wishes of the Snow Queen to keep her from getting to Kai. Because in the end, they all know about Kai and they're all like, we know exactly who you were looking for, but they just weren't forthright about it. But they kind of help her after they become friends with her. After she becomes friends with them, Snowdrop helps her find the roses. And, you know, after she helps um, Frederica and Fred, they help her. And after um, she helps the robber girl become Fall Queen, they help her find the Snow Queen again. So that's how I always interpreted it, was the Snow Queen told them to keep her at bay, and then what happened was she either helped them or she made a connection with them, and then that's what got them to turn against the Snow Queen. But then again, there was... It wasn't mentioned. It wasn't mentioned enough. What's confusing about the boots is I think the only time it's not mentioned is with the Snow Queen. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's the only season, yeah, yeah. Where she keeps the boots the whole time. It's mentioned in every other scene. Yeah. Slash season. Yeah. But in the elementary school, it's also mentioned. Which maybe plays mm-hmm. into what you were saying. You know, like the Snow Queen wanted all the other seasons to stop her. Yeah. By the time she got to the Snow Queen, I mean. Why would the Snow Queen care? Exactly. Yeah. It's no right. longer a concern. Yeah. Another another thing that I will um, I will mention, and I really hope that you guys don't. I really hope that you watch it, you listening, um, really go see the show before I, I say something because this is context of props. But the um, the props that they have, the tea set that Mrs. Deer has, is the same tea set that they use for um, Kai's mother has, and. There was another another iteration of the little garden with the rose in it mm-hmm. that had a white picket fence around it that mimicked the garden's picket fence in the spring season. Right. So there was a little bit of playing back and forth with the concept of she's kind almost kind of like it's like almost a dream, but it's not. Yeah, it might have been it, a little it's confusing. Very like Dorothy, all the yeah, characters yeah, yeah. that Dorothy knows end up being the mm-hmm. Scarecrow and the Lion. Yeah, and yeah. Whatever the other and character I, is. And I wish that, that had been. I think Tim that that's a really interesting Tim concept. Man. One of the things that I like about Arden's Children Theater, especially, is that they're not going to shy away from tougher concepts for kids to understand. And I think that Kids Question was a great example of kids understand more than you think. Yeah, you know? I thought yeah. all the questions. The kids had some great questions. Yeah, I mean, one asked how heavy the Snow Queen's dress was, and that's a valid question. That yeah. thing is huge, and I it changes throughout the it. Even, yeah. it changes throughout the entire show. That dress changes, and I yeah, I mean, there's some. I there was a there was a a story um, Alex Bechtel told when I was in like the green room at, at when they were rehearsing. Um, he said about one of the questions that another actress once got was how many people have you kissed on stage? So like some kids just like have, you know, there was another question during the first preview where a kid was like, why is the Snow Queen evil? Mm. That was a really, (laughs) that was a deep question that like 
you know, sometimes you get, you know, simple questions and sometimes you get like really intellectual questions. But I think that the lesson that the Arden understands is that kids understand more than you think they do. And you should treat them as if they're theater going people. They're theater going people. And they can be trusted to know a few more deeper concepts than just, you know, Cat in the Hat, which is a show that they're doing, but is really for the young, really for the young kids. Well, they, they reacted well to all of the questions. Like, the cast. They're like, that's a great question. Yeah. Like, really amazed that they came up with these questions, which is really great just for their self-esteem in general. And for everyone else to hear, like, that's a great question. It's probably something they thought of. How heavy is that dress? Are, are your clothes itchy? Like, those are very simple questions, but it's good for kids to hear that kind of self-esteem because yeah. every question's a good question, which yeah. is, you know, especially if you're a shy kid in school, to ask questions to hear that they were so excited about these questions yeah another question i was really glad that they asked was how did you do the quick changes and through that they were able to introduce the assistant stage managers and the wardrobe dresser and they didn't introduce the stage manager um but she's also really cool um kate nelson who was incredibly nice while i worked there was super nice um and she runs that team really well for such a chaotic show really is so chaotic um we're going to talk a little bit later about backstage but let's talk about let's talk about the set um i want to hear your thoughts on um in the round theater which is specifically what this is which is the audience surrounds the stage um and the the actors kind of have to act out and there's not really too much opportunity for a set honestly, because of the amount of interaction that's happening and you don't want any eye lines being separated and the actors constantly have to act out. Um, I remember talking to Joe about it and Joe told me that it is so difficult to act in an in-the-round theater. Yeah, because you have to... Because you have to not act to every side. side yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what did, think, what did you guys think of in-the-round of in theater? I think for this concept that they were constantly trying to trap her, that the in the round made a lot of sense because you could see from each side. Obviously, there's no way of escaping, whereas when it's flat, it seems like, well, you can go back or to the sides, and those are ways to escape where we saw that she definitely could not. It was just, like, played into the concepts a little better for mm-hmm. it to be in the round. And I don't think it's supposed to be in the round. Like, that's not specifically how it's written, right? It was just how the Arden did it? Yeah, I think it's how the Arden did it. I don't think it was specifically written to be that way. I think that they did it really well. You know, they really used the in-the-round theater layout to their advantage. Ross drew it in front yeah. of us. Here's a little cute little diagram of the in-the-round theater in front of us. I was trying to count the alleys or the, the pathways, but there was like there were six, I believe, different entrances to, to this main stage in the center. There are, there are four four from backstage but there are a lot of paths there are some that go behind the audience there are some that you go through a door um so there were like two doors there were like two audience from uh this path that went behind the audience and then there were four exits that were like outdoors like you would go outside the theater or you would go into the little backstage area okay um that we would talk about like eight there were like eight there were so many (laughs) entrances and exits yeah so my diagram Um, didn't do any justice i counted (laughs) wrong but so there there were eight entrances and i think they used them all equally you know as exits and entrances and ways of you know like leaving the stage in one way and running behind to enter on another side 
or bring props in from one direction and exit with props to the next direction. Uh, I thought they, they really used the space really well. Yeah, um, and one of the secrets that I'm going to reveal um, about Backstage is that uh, well, you saw that the structure on the one side where the Snow Queen resided in that like metal structure with the door, no one could go through that because you would see them behind there. And then the other side, which is the opposite side of that, was the smokestacks. Right. Nobody could go past that either. So the only way you could get from like an opposite side of the stage is you had to go out, downstairs, through the basement, back up. Mm. So there is a lot of running in this show i really wish diagram (laughs) i really wish i had stayed at the arden long enough to be in the prop bait because the props are in the basement to be in the prop basement while the show was going because what's really cool about it is that there are speakers everywhere around the in the prop basement and then in the backstage in their dressing rooms and their bathrooms that have the show going on so that they know where they are in the show and so being down in the in the bottom um, I remember them running through, like, in Ragtime, when I saw Ragtime, I remember them running through, um, like, downstairs to get to the opposite side of the stage because there's no other way to cross. There's no tunnel that they made for them. It is, you know, truly like a, uh, they have to get out, go downstairs, run across, and it's like a big thing. And then the, also the entrance to the trap door is also in the basement as well, where the rose comes up and the campfire and everything. Right. Well, um, all the entrances like make them like going from house to house really mm-hmm. like easy mm-hmm. to understand, especially for kids. Mm-hmm. And it really made the transitions of the seasons really effective because you knew it was changing. They left the scene in one entrance and they came mm-hmm. in completely different yeah. costumes, completely different entrance. Yeah, I I really enjoyed. Um, because now I've seen it enough times where now I'm kind of like trying to figure out like where everything happens. Because there's a moment with the tiny towns, which we're going to talk about, where they all come out. And I remember I wanted them to all come out at the same time with the tiny towns. But the way that the time is budgeted during the scene, they all of them cannot be out doing the tiny towns at the same time. Because they have to be, I think it's changed for spring mm-hmm. at that point. So I thought that was uh, really cool. But um The tiny towns are an element that I am very proud of because I spent a week making them in the prop basement. What, Ross, what did you think about them? You were the one who wanted to talk about them. Yeah, well, I thought they were very powerful not being shown at the same time. Yeah. They brought them out one at a time or maybe two at a time. But um, I I interpret them the significance of, it was when the Snow Queen was kind of kidnapping Kai and flying off. And then you kind of get this this model or a very small village, a tiny town that uh, made you feel like you, you were flying over top of the town. You were passing by it. So the sets or the little models were moving very quickly on and off of the stage. And new ones were coming on. And it was showing the progression of flying over multiple towns. Yeah, it was showing that your vantage point was changing. Yeah. Yeah. It, maybe it just, it's because I thought that they, they uh, when we were making them in the prop basement, they were all sitting in a very close proximity to each other. And when we turned on, the last time we had them, we turned on the lights and then we turned the little lights in the towns and then off the prop basement lights. And they're the coolest thing ever. I think I have a f- few pictures that I'm going to show and... We have a the props um, department has an Instagram that I'll plug so that you guys can all see all the cool props in Snow Queen. 
And I think the, the last thing that I really want to talk about is definitely my favorite thing of the show, which are the scene transitions from season to season. It is one of the most magical parts of theater. It is, I can literally say that it is the reason I went into theater is like these are these moments specifically that happens in this show. The reason I went into set design is like how whimsical they are and how kind of like beautiful they are for how simple they are. But what like what did you guys like think about them? What was like your favorite? Let's loop it in with like what's your favorite? What was your favorite season and what was your favorite transition? And are they different? I feel like I already said my favorite and I forget what it was earlier. You said summer. I was gonna say summer again. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> did you liked? Well, Sum- you liked it because summer of- was very enthusiastic the entire thing the storyline of summer was a little more fun there was no super crazy she was not gonna die in that she was just gonna maybe lose her shoes yeah that's true um it was the least dangerous yeah i would say yeah but what did you think of the beach balls the beach balls dropped and that was how the scene changed the costumes, the costumes for all oh, the right. seasons we did not... were so good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the costumes for spring were really good, but I really liked them for summer as well. Yeah. Even though they weren't, it was summer clothes, but they were really eclectic summer clothes. Yeah. And they were really. Yeah. The costumer, the costume designer, um, Oliveira, who did the same costumes for Superterranean, which was the show I worked on and the podcast that we also recorded earlier today um like their costumes are like there's like no way to say it like they're all stunning they're all handmade everything was handmade i there are very few items i feel like that were found i feel like almost everything was handmade except for maybe some parts of the uniform like the sweaters and the um but like the like that the flower outfits were not something that you can buy right they were made the summer bathing mm -hmm. suits all made the little onesie that Joe yeah. wears as the prince, and I think Fall actually had some really good outfits that were just like piled onto one another, and I really appreciated the outfits in Fall too. Yeah, um, I almost wish that there was an iteration of them for Winter for all of them, but they was just their school clothes because that's what they were. Yeah. that's what they were in the season that they were in was they were all just in. in Fall was also clothes. kind of a mean season. Yeah. Which I did not appreciate. That was with the cameras. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that scene change? That is actually that is actually probably next to the beach balls my my favorite transition with the bl- uh, leaf so blower. The leaves start oh, right. Oh, yeah, they just blow all oh. the snow and she's laying on the ground and she's covered Oh, in... that's spring. Oh. That's how they clear spring. Yeah. Oh, spring is my favorite transition then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not is... my favorite season, but my favorite transition because she falls into the snow. And you're not really sure what happened to her. And they come in with leaf blowers and just blow the snow away. And they decide, it's spring now. Yeah. Why is this girl on the floor? It's spring. And they... And half the audience. They look at her kind of crazy for like, why are you on the ground? It's obviously spring now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's acted really well. I think yeah. the transitions are acted really well. Well, that's one of them that actually happens on stage. When it goes to summer, there's nobody on stage. And when it right. goes to fall, there's nobody on stage. But the winter to spring transition, there are people who are on stage. And I think that's why it's so such a lively transition. Yeah. What was, um, the, what was the one to fall? What was that transition? The one to fall was the trap door opens and the leaves come flying out. And that oh. is a leaf. That is somebody holding either a fan or a leaf blower. And they're just all the leaves like 
fall into our in the air, and it's like a, a almost like a comical arc, right. and then right down to the ground. And it's that is one of my that is one of my favorite. I think the leaf blow. I remember Wit and Chris, who were Chris Haig is the prop master, and Wit is the director. I distinctly remember them having discussions about leaf blowers because they've done it in another musical before or another show. They've done it in another show where they use leaf blowers to like move a transition or something and they were talking about it for this one um and i was i remember i was thinking to myself i'm worried about the noise that they're gonna make and like how are you gonna hide the noise because that was something in Superterranean that was a problem is that we had magnets in the first part that my friend merle had to basically do and it was like up and down and they were super loud and strong and i was like how are they gonna cover it like they covered it in Superterranean with super loud noises um Very loud. and they just kind of embraced it in Snow Queen, and I and I love that. Well, the the leaf blowers, they were still leaf blowers. Yeah, yeah, but, but it was just like I, I think the noise made it. You know, like it, it instantly, like you hear a leaf blower and you think fall, you know, or even spring. When else do you use a leaf blower? You know, that not in spring. Yeah, they were blowing away snow. I guess that is strange, but you still know that you know the season's change. It's funny and it's whimsical, and kids got it. It triggered a season change. I feel it did for at least me. yeah. Yeah, and I think in general they they use sound really well in this play. Mm-hmm. One the instruments, but two like even um, the one scene they had a ladder or something, you know, and they like slammed it shut, and they use that to, like mask something I believe, or like yeah. it was at least within the rhythm of whatever was happening on the show. And the sound designer is Christopher Colucci. Uh, oh, who did the original music? So I'm assuming that he was the one who wrote the music to the to all of the poems so all of the songs that they sang were they are poems on the script but they are definitely like they were there was music written that was not in the script so i think that he wrote the music for it which is really really cool and then also uh just like i am not a sound designer i am a set designer and i can only imagine how hard it is to do sound design for an in the round theater where everybody has to be able to hear the same balance of voices and there were also a lot of echoing there was like a there was a lot of like echoing in the show where like somebody there was like the whole like before she runs into spring it's like gerda 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 and the entire cast is whispering it from off stage and it's so well balanced it's just like you think that every like you think some of the stuff is lip synced but really it's sound mixed on cue which is really amazing what were you going to say? Do you know what I think makes the transitions really successful? Is that if you took any part of it out, or if you took all parts of it out and just just the costumes, mm-hmm. it would, it's a very obvious transition, which for the, for the story and for the set and for the kids, it's really important that it's very obvious what's happening. Mm-hmm. But the costumes are over the top they're eclectic if you took away the sound if you took away the beach balls falling you would still know that season changed if you took away the costumes and they all came in the same clothes the entire time from the sound and the just props you would still know the season changed Mm -hmm. if you took away everything and just had the noises you probably would still know what season it was supposed to be yeah yeah a lot of really good ambiance Set. It was very well thought mm-hmm. through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, it's definitely like 
so I feel to me sound design and lighting design are very much if they're done poorly you will know and if they're done well you will never notice um and like congratulations to lighting designers and sound designers for being like such chameleons honestly it's I can't even imagine what it was like because the so the the lighting grid so what's really cool is if you go to a theater like a small theater it's less evident I feel like in, in Broadway theaters but in small black box theaters basically where you can configure something in anything you want to my favorite thing is to look up and see how big their lighting grid and the Arden lighting grid is so extensive their, their electrician Martin has to hang every individual light has to go up onto that catwalk and hang all of those lights. And I'm pretty sure it's over a hundred lights. It is so difficult <laughs> to do theater, which I am now realizing through the two uh, internships that I did slash PA job that I did. Um, seeing people at work and seeing how hard it was. Um, I think one of the cool things is that I was like an intern for both props and set construction. So I got to build pieces of the set and build part of the props and none of it was easy. This is such a hard thing that people do. Um, everybody should always give props to their technical director, props to my boss, Glenn, um, and his assistant, Justin, um, for building these sets. They do it by themselves. Arden's technical team is in-house and they use overhire when they need to, but the technical team is just Justin and Glenn by themselves. For theater is an art form, it's just those kind of details are just underappreciated. Yeah. Because I don't feel like, not to not to put down this, I don't feel like it was overwhelmingly, it's it's a lot in every show, mm -hmm. and no one ever really appreciates how much work actually goes into putting on that kind of show. Yeah, definitely. You, know, you, you normally think about, people think about costumes, people think about props, and people think about actors, and then everyone else kind of just fades a little bit. Yeah. I, well, I remember thinking when I was a, an, a young architect or a young studying architect um, and I had my crisis that was like, you don't like architecture enough. What are you going to do? Um, and it went to set design. I remember thinking, I'm going to have to build my own sets. I'm going to have to know how to build these sets, which is what scared me about architecture is that I was creative enough to make it and I wasn't savvy enough to know how to build it or design it in a computer. Um, which is still something I have to do, but I don't have to like hands-on make all of these sets, which is what I learned a technical director is for, which is what Glenn does and Justin does, is they're the technical directors. So there's a set designer, and then the set designer goes with them with a plan, and in like meetings that they have with each other, the technical director kind of says like, oh, well, you can do this, and I know we can make this, and we can do this, but this you have to change because it's like impossible, and I don't know why you thought you could do that which is definitely something that I'm going to need as a set designer is somebody telling me I can't do something because I will do everything. So like that, knowing that that, that person exists and knowing that, I mean, like Glenn is such a nice person. I hope every technical director I ever have is as nice as Glenn. But I'm glad that you mentioned all of the behind the scenes work. That's really, it's really important. Similar to like architecture, I feel like where you have construction people building your buildings. Yeah, we your... have construction people. We have engineers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People, mm -hmm. We definitely have people telling us we're wrong. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am really glad that I got to go see this show again with you two. And yeah. with my friend, Aaron, uh, my friend Aaron went. But if we had um, three people um, sharing one or four people sharing one mic, I think it would have gotten outrageous. 
I'm actually, we're all sitting on the same side because my mic is one directional. So we're like all sitting on a bench next to each other. It's it's really cute. It's amazing. I'm going to take pictures from now on of the setups that I do. Well, <laughs> we're going to sign off, but I hope that I hope that you guys are back on a podcast soon. Yeah, me too. We're gonna find we're gonna us. find more shows to see. Hopefully, like we do a a musical. I would like to do a Dear regional. Oh my god! Mm, I was yeah. gonna say I would like to do a regional show that does a musical. Like we're like the Arden is doing, like the Arden did mm-hmm. once on this island and Fun Home, but it was independent from a tour, that right. kind of thing, where it's like local talent, because tours are tours, right? All sorts right. from basically New York. So thank you all for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.